What's going on, guys? This is Rich from the Flagship Podcast here on the Voice of Wrestling Podcast Network. And I just want to let you know about a brand new sponsor we have for the network. It's Eufy. And let me tell you a little bit about their newest product, the Eufy Video Smart E330. This isn't your everyday smart lock. This is a smart lock, a 2K camera, and a doorbell offering triple the security and triple the convenience. Instead of loading up your door with a bunch of different devices, you install one, and it takes care of everything in a complete package. It's not just about the home security, though. The Eufy Video Smart Lock E330 is also for convenience. No more worrying about losing keys. You can let each member of your family get a password. You can monitor their movement in and out of the house. You can keep an eye on your packages. You can check in on your house while you're away. There is so much you can do with this product. Best of all, it is easy to install and set up. All you need is a Phillips screwdriver. Leave that drill in the toolbox. The Eufy has keyless entry, a 0.3 second fingerprint recognition, a rechargeable battery with a four month lifespan, two way audio from the lock, enhanced night vision, 24 seven customer support. And you'll love this. None of those pesky monthly fees. Eufy sent me a smart lock 330 and I've loved it so far. It allows me peace of mind when I'm at work or when I'm away on one of my patented vacations. Plus it helps me keep track of deliveries to the house, saves me a trip back to the car. If I just need to run in for something and I forgot my keys and the two way audio system works well for those unwanted guests at my front door. No, I do not need new siding or windows or a roof. Thank you, though. You can simply tell them you aren't interested from the comfort of your couch. Now, are you ready to ditch the others and join the Eufy revolution? Of course you are. Get started today by searching Eufy Video Lock on your search engine of choice. That's E-U-F-Y Video Lock. Or visit eufyofficial.com slash video lock to see how you can finally, once and for all, gain complete control of your door. Once again, that's E-U-F-Y Video Lock ufeofficial.com slash video lock and we thank them for sponsoring the voice wrestling podcast network say goodbye to your credit card rewards greedy corporate mega stores led by walmart and target are pushing for a law in congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets the durbin marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it if you love your credit card rewards tell your lawmakers hands off my rewards tell them to oppose the durbin marshall credit card bill Hey everybody, my name is Jesse Collings and I want to tell you all about my show, The Gentleman's Wrestling Podcast, here on the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network. On The Gentleman's Wrestling Podcast, we do a thorough analysis on the biggest issues and trends within the pro wrestling industry. We talk a lot about pro wrestling media, we talk a lot about fan culture and wrestling's place within general pop culture, and we talk about the broader influences that are shaping the way we discuss and analyze the pro wrestling industry. We've had some of the brightest minds in the pro wrestling intelligentsia on the show, including WrestleNomics host Brandon Thurston, both Rich Krejci and Joe Lanza from the Flagship Wrestling Podcast, Trevor Dame from the Through the Years Podcast, and a whole lot more. This isn't a show for hot takes. It's not a show recapping the latest episode of television. 
This is a show focusing on the biggest topics in pro wrestling and doing a deep dive on the real stories behind the surface level analysis you might find elsewhere. The Gentleman's Wrestling Podcast is available wherever you get your podcasts, and we'd really appreciate it if you gave us a try. Thanks. This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling Podcasting Network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. To the highway in a brand new day. Gotta let it go. Fast to for april 11th 2023 we are members of the voices of wrestling podcast network you can find us on the voices of wrestling podcast feed or our own dedicated podcast feed on all podcast platforms applications and while you're on those applications please rate and review open the voice gates the best way for new listeners to discover the show you can follow us on twitter at open voice gate and if you'd like to donate to the show click the link in the show notes it'll take you to our redcircle.com landing site you click the red boxes to sponsor this podcast and you can set up a one-time or reoccurring donation. No obligation whatsoever, but I would like to thank all of our previous donors. I'm one of your hosts. It's your old pal, Mike Spears. Join alongside KSLO in case it is good to be back and talking with you this week. Mike, I, uh, I missed you. You know, I did some solo audio last week, but it's not the same. I need to be here with you. I need to converse with you. I need an update on your life. You promised me an update on what I believe you phrased as a murder garage. That is right. Uh so I, I forget how much I've talked about like my new place, but it's in a neighborhood in Fort Worth over near where I used to live, but it's an older neighborhood. My house is not 100 years old, which is very lucky because of how it is with historical places, but it does have a detached garage as Fort Worth tends to have in this part of town. And case I am not exaggerating. I've sent photos of this to the Voices of Wrestling Slack. Uh, I'm not exaggerating when I think this is one of those creepy ass buildings that Rich and the Nurse go spend their weekends just being perverts in. <laughs> okay, <laughs> like the the foundation of it. So it's a detached garage, and I'm guessing it was built sometime in the 50s because it's not a motorized garage door that there is power in there and there's water hookup but it's not been renovated but there is a crack through the foundation that is three inches wide and each time i go in their case i find new implements that i think someone has used to kill someone with give me an example pitching wedge okay that's that's solid that 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 could be used to kill somebody a various rusted tools always a bad sign when they're rusted i could see that killing somebody yeah, case I know that you have had that that your upbringing you were at sometimes living on an active farm, but 
when you see like things like this and when you see like a garage that has mysterious stains, crack foundation, leaves everywhere, and you see like rusted tools about, you, you come to two conclusions. One, no one's been in here for 30 plus years. Or two, there's some killing that's happening here. And I think that happened in my garage. Well, I think when you're a neurotic freak like you and I, death is always around the corner and death can come in in many ways shapes and forms but you kind of know murder or you you get the sense of murder when it's there and so i i, I think you're right to raise an eyebrow being in the state of texas always again always looming always present i, I i'm with you here I, I i i'm not a big ghost guy but i surely hope you did not move into cursed land you know, I've already my my girlfriend's already staged the house, so we're on that basic bullshit. Is that, is that, a, is that a shoot? Did she sage your house? It, it, it's like a form of saging. Yes, yes, she did. Walk me through that. What does that mean? Uh, it, it, it's when you burn something and you let the smoke uh, cast off bad vibes and energy and spirits. Okay. Case you're a zoomer. Z Zoomers are all about this sort of stuff, like crystal, sage, and things like this. Why am I explaining this to you? I'm almost forty. I I don't know. Not not my thing. I grew up Catholic. I I I don't have time to pay attention to saging and crystals and whatnot. Yeah, I, I mean, you have things much more imprinted on you than that. But it, it it's something where growing up in Texas, you get to expose, especially like growing up when I did probably that last generation before 9-11 like i i was in high school when it happened and like really like growing up in the age of school shootings not to get super dark uh i i had a, a a teacher who went to my high school talk about how in the 80s he used to bring his guns to school because he would have his first period free and he'd go to his lease and, and then he'd bring whatever he shot and he cleaned it in the parking lot like texas is different a simpler time there's everything is so hard now and I, I look, I grew up post 9-11 generation. I'll never understand what the world was like before it. And I think things in America specifically are only getting worse. I, I just I can't fathom something like that being OK. Yeah, it, it, it was something that this was he said the story like in 2002. So 21 years ago. And it still was like, how were you able to do that? Like now, 20 years past that, I'm even more so going, that's crazy like how was that allowed back then like it's it's almost to the extent of like seat belts you know like well how did they let people drive out seat belts before then you ever have a kid at your school ride a horse to school no but one of my good friends did live and operate a ranch and had to drive 90 minutes to get into school each day okay that's that's unfortunate i always just think of there's a kid i went to school with a very I, I will put this delicately by saying a very scary kid who, when I look him up on Facebook now, he is super into 3D printing guns and circumventing any federal firearm regulations, which for this specific person makes me extremely nervous. But I remember yeah. he, used to ride his, he used to ride his horse to school, and I was always like, damn. That's cool. That's really cool that he'd he'd bring his horse to school, but then and this was an elementary school because I went to a Hickville elementary school. And so he'd park his horse in the parking lot and then the school would have to call his parents and his parents would have to come get the horse. You know, th th these are the things 
this is slice of life Indiana right here. It doesn't get more Hoosier than this. And I, I think about that kid and, and his horse often. I think about the uh, Lewis Black quote, if it wasn't for my horse, I wouldn't have spent those two years in college when I hear that. I think about the Bloodhound Gang quote that says, I'm not black like Barry White. No, I am white like Frank Black is. How does the Bloodhound Gang know Frank Black? Oh, uh, Bloodhound Gang Bloodhound Gang's an alt band. That's that's Pixie's core. I mean, maybe it is that like I know Bloodhound Gang had did other songs, but like they're so easily identified with uh, uh, with their one song that it's just very hard for me to think that they would have been in any music scene other than doing that one song. No, I I think I think if you sat down Jimmy Pop. I think they've got a pretty cool playlist. I think those guys are in. It wouldn't surprise me if Jimmy Pop listens to like the Smiths. I mean, do you think uh, Joy Division or just New Order? Just New Order. I think he's he's too happy go lucky to buy into Joy Division. Doesn't even need even Ian Curtis. Uh, even I, a depressive soul, sometimes I hear Joy Division like, oh Jesus Christ, guys. Is it bad that I have like four karaoke songs and one is Love Will Tear Us Apart? No, that's actually awesome. That is, that reaffirms why I do this podcast with you. That fucking rules, Mike. <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> it, 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 it's that Echo and the Bunny Man and a bunch of Yacht Rock. Wow, that is fantastic. I, 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 would, like, fields. <laughs> I would like to get to a point in life. I think I would, I would die a happy man if I could pull off doing ludicrous act of fool on karaoke. I think that's my dream scenario. <laughs> That's a strong one. Right. That's yeah. My brother had a, he has a really strong one. It makes me really mad that he is able to pull this off. Carpenter soup. No carpenter superstar. Oh, okay. That's, that's great because I think, I think Sonic youth sucks, but the only Sonic youth song I like is their cover of superstar. And I only like that because Jerry, uh, Sue skated it in an enjoy skateboarding video. Yep. That lines up. Yep. Yeah. Yep, no no notes there. That's classic case low. Uh case, we have a lot of stuff on the docket here. We're on the road to dead or alive, buddy. Can I start with something that is on the run sheet as I like to do very often? Let's do it. We're gonna pivot to Gleet for a second, Mike. Are you ready to talk about Gleet? Gee something on this podcast in this economy. Let's do it. <laughs> we are hours away. As of the time we're recording this. By the time people hear this, this show will have already happened, which is why I want to have this discussion. We are hours away. From Gleet version 49 in Cork and Hall, Tokyo, Japan. Of course, on this show, the Japanese landing of full-on Big Lucha's Black Generation, Yutani, Emperado Azteca, Elemental, and Action Jackson, even though he left Big Lucha but is still doing this Gleet tour, which I'm a little confused by that. Main event, G-Rex Championship match, Kaito Ishida defends versus T-Hawk. I want you to guess. I'll give you an over-under on the house. You tell me over or under. I will first give you the fact that the last time they were in Cork and Hall, this was November 23rd, they did 761 fans. The time before that, October uh, 9th, they did 1,025 fans. And the time before that, on August 24th of last year, they did 723 fans. If I set the over-under... At 800.5 fans, over under Ashita versus T-Hawk and Corkin. Can I ask some clarifying questions? Please. 
is there strong support like that thousand that had like three different New Japan people and uh, Jun Kasai on it? I would say no. Now they're doing some semifinal matches in the UWF Championship Tournament, which I I am fully of the belief until I see hard evidence that says this is a draw. I am firmly a belief that is not a draw. The card is is two UWF matches. It is the Black Generation debut, and that's versus Izuchi, Juntancho, Kichi Sato, and Oji Shiba. After that, it is Soma Watanabe, Anisei Onotsuka versus Kataru Suzuki and Hartley Jackson. And then the semi-main event. These must be Joshi wrestlers. I don't know who these people are. Michiko Miyagi and Sayako Unagi. Okay, that's Anagi Sayaka. Just so that we don't have Joshi listeners on on us, yeah. Uh, that's the former Cassandra slash Andres Miyagi, who's been in Gleet since the jump. And okay, Unagi Sayaka, formerly of Stardom, uh, she's she left Stardom kind of abruptly, and she's been touring a lot of various promotions. Like like, like she's doing a program in all Japan. Like a lot of people are trying to get whatever runoff they can get from Unagi coming off a stardom run. That's your semi-main event is that Joshi match. (sighs) I'm going over just because I did. I don't think Unagi is a huge draw, but there has been that there's a reason why she's been booked in all these different random places, you know? So there is that, but that's such a weak, undercard like there's stuff i'm interested in like don't dismiss my main man ito yon's family is going to bring home the gold case all right yeah possibly this is one of those glee shows where i just i look at this card and i just think what what is this promotion there's i like i want to like it and i don't it's just th- it's this weird is, th- this is such a, a macro glee car where it's just i don't know what this is it's kind of dragon gate there's Joshi. It's kind of UWF. It's too much. I, I don't I don't know what this is. But at the same time, it's kind of fascinating to see like at what point does Gleet decide to scale back, I guess? Because it's not like they are they have a lot of different ways to make money, you know? No, I think it's really interesting that this is the first time they've run Corkin since November, and maybe that's nothing, but they are a first-ring promotion now, and they're running first-ring uh, this weekend on the 16th, and I like that card a lot. That has Kotaro Suzuki and El Bendito versus Chek Shimatani, who's our guy, in Galino Del Mall, and has a big Lucha World Championship match between Imperado Azteca and Soma Watanabe. And then the main event is Ashida Flamita and Elemental versus Lindemann, Tamora, and Izuchi. That that yeah. is a good lineup right there. Yeah, I, I like having the the three young kings face off against the heel unit. Am I? Hold on. I'm, so I've got this card up on Purus of Spirit. That's where I'm getting this. And there's no Lindemann. Shima's hurt. Okay. Gleet fans don't get mad at me. What if I told you the semi-main event of this Corkin show was Hayato Tamora and Chek Shimatani versus Flamita and El Bendito? I'm super interested in that, but that's not necessarily going to sell a whole lot of tickets. Yeah, that's kind of... 
that's where I'm at. I think that is a stronger main of or semi main event on paper. I don't know if that is a a match that draws though, other than to people like you and I. Yeah, I mean, Chuck Shimatani shows up. I'm gonna have a great time. Chuck Shimatani versus Flamita. That's extremely my shit. Yeah, I, I I would love like like, and it's not my purview. I would love to like try to like understand how shimitani goes from being like this ddt kind of mascot like character to glee and instantly is like one of the more charismatic wrestlers in wrestling yeah look i you know if i if i was a young wrestler in japan if i could orchestrate an out in glee if i if i could make sure that i'm only there for 12 months and then i'm out and i'm free and there's no stigma attached to me i would sign up for that because i still think the the minds at Gleet are so incredibly valuable, and I was just talking with some people about this with re- regarding Shima's time in All Japan, and I was like, don't don't be fooled. Shima it, it still has a fastball, and it's not always there, but he has these moments where it's like, oh yeah, that's that Shima, and that's why he still matters. And I think there's been a handful of guys. I think Jun Tancho has gotten better under the guidance of Shima. I think Czech Shimatani is one of these guys that I don't know how direct their relationship is but i know he's gotten better in cleat than he was in ddt and he's a guy that you know you and i are super into so uh, there, there's value to be had here ashita versus t-hawk a fascinating main event do you have any any big picture thoughts on ashita versus t-hawk in the year of our lord 2023 well it's gonna be another failed t-hawk challenge you know <laughs> like you can't cut your feet off ashita with the way you've booked them like this you know you you, you basically had a back backseat book him back into the title like this i i I have more questions about t-hawk than there are answers but he's the most he's the most perplexing case in the dragon system of the last 15 years though he's getting rave reviews in the champion carnival and i i talked last week about how i did a a bit of an all japan catch-up mainly watching what doi did and the buzz coming away from the two t-hawk matches one against yuma aoyagi and one against yoshi tatsu of all people i I feel like I'm gonna have to check that out. Do you need to go check out a Yoshi Tatsu mass, match in 2023? Case like, do I you think really? people put it over. People put over Yoshi Tatsu at a level that is massively disproportionate to his ability level, and they always have. And I know well, some of it's irony, but I, 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 I'm not buying into that. I, 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 I only make cold shots nowadays. Case I don't do that. Okay, maybe maybe I won't watch this one because it has a cage match rating of four point seven zero. So that is that is not great. Listen to the inmates, man. They won't steer you wrong in that case. No, never. Also, by the way, you know, this is the number one Dragon Gate podcast. It's also the number one all Japan attendance podcast. That champion carnival show did six hundred and thirty four fans in Corkin. This is a company last year that in the English speaking world felt cold as ice, just could not be any colder, and they were doing a thousand fans on certain shows 634 for champion carnival opening night headlined by miyahara versus yuma aoyagi there's no more good looking guys that's why case that's why opening match by the way on that show not to fully dive into all japan here but naoki tanazaki and naruki doi teamed uh versus atsuki aoyagi and rising hayato and dan tamora and hikaru sato in a three-way tag match I'm just glad we're getting Team Doi in the year of our Lord 2023. I would be hard pressed to find more wrestlers that, that I'm I'm more impressed with than Doi this year. You know, I I think even if he is 
turning out to be really more of a net neutral for DDT's attendance than anything. I find what he's doing in All Japan and what he's doing in Dragon Gate to be incredibly impressive. And now Big Japan is bringing him in, and I will watch Doi Big Japan matches if they air. I'm really intrigued by that. Yeah, I, I wonder if it's now with Doi, and I, I don't think we'll see as much of Aether because I feel like that everyone could kind of guess where we expect the next 12 months to go with Aether now. But with Doi, it's interesting like seeing him do these routes because maybe DDT had short-term effects, but with a company that's, sorry, Joey, Bay, sorry, that is circling the drain and has as long as Big Japan, you might have more life out of a Doi than you might get out of DDT, hoping he will pop an Osaka number. Did you see the match listing for the one Big Japan date Doi already worked? Oh, yeah, that was the one where it was basically a on T team T2P. Yeah, it was. And I don't know if this show, if this show is on tape, please send it to me, please. Cause I really want to watch this. And I haven't wanted to watch a big Japan show in many, many years, but this was a six man tag. It was doi super Shisa and Toru Uwashi versus Daisuke Sekimoto, Kota Sekifuda and Yuki Ishikawa. I always thought that Kota Sekifuda should have had, got better than he did. Like, he looked like he was going to land an OWE. That, that is the perfect way to describe it. I thought he was going to be better than he ended up big. <laughs> but, but but there was a time about four years ago where he was doing the OWE in action shows and looked like he was going to land with that troop. That, you're, you're right. I kind of forgot about that. He he worked an early Gleet show, too. Yeah, I wonder what, what was up with that. But, yep. Yeah. And wasn't it, like, not even, like, it's not ED on 2. It's not Tai Show. And Osaka, it's like some random like two four six box place. So yeah, there are... one seven six box. They did two hundred and eighty three fans. I I only know of Big Japan running this venue, and if I click on it on Cage Match, Wave runs there, Oz Academy runs there, six 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 runs there. That is a lonely, lonely building. Yeah, this ain't Kobe Chicken George we're talking about here. No, it is not. Let me ask you one more question real quick since you brought up Ata. I posed this on the solo pod last week. I'd like to know what you think of it as somebody who's very much in the weeds in the Gate camp and as somebody who I think appreciates a good trade simulator. If you are GM Rio Saito and you are managing the Gate team, if you will, Noah comes to you, Cyber Agent calls you up, they say, hey, we'll we'll make a straight-up trade for you. Ato wants to fuck around here. Kano is dead on arrival as a star in Noah. Can we make a straight trade? Ata to Noah, Kano to Drangate, full-time roster members. Who says no? I am saying yes so fast and getting on the phone to the commissioner, Hiroshi Hase. I assume he's the commissioner <laughs> of wrestling. And just in case, case, I wrote an entire bulletin where one of my points about Noah coming out of Kijimuto's retirement is get Ata full-time, just take him off Dragon Gate's hands. So absolutely, if I'm getting Kano in return, I'm making sure there's no takebacks. I, I am really flirting with this idea more, and I, I want to be clear from, from my stance and all of the words that have been said about the Drangate Noah relationship over the last year. I don't think it's going to happen. I certainly don't think it's imminent if it's going to, but it's an idea that I've seen floated out there by a lot of various people that I kind of can't ignore at this point, even if it's just for fun, even if it is 
uh, you know, a, an American reference that you'll understand here. If it's a mid-June sports radio topic where we just kind of kick the tires on this because there's nothing else to talk about, I, I think we have to explore this idea of Ata for Cano. Who says no? I, I think it's a valuable acquisition for both sides at this point. Just Cano, to be clear. The rest of Congo can stay. The rest of them can stay. Nakajima oh, yeah, does his yeah. own thing. But, yep, one for one. I think that that would be like about two segments worth if we had our own talk radio showcase. But oh, like my I God. Could, right. I, I can make that 40 minutes. Completely. No, you take some calls. You get... You know, John Hernandez on the line. It's great, yeah. great stuff. John Hernandez. John from Philadelphia, what do you have to say yeah. about this trade? <laughs> John, take us off speakerphone if you don't mind. All right, now what were your thoughts on this trade? <laughs> thanks for thanks for listening to, I don't know what our call letters would be. K-O-T-B-G. Yeah, there we go. Hey, guys, love you, love the show. Wanted to kick the tires on Ata versus Cano real quick. All right, go ahead, John. Great caller. Great caller. Yeah, you, one you, know, of my favorites. you, you, you got to bring into the take bank. <laughs> oh, I might be still that for my shoot job. That's good. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> All right, Mike, I guess we have to talk about Dragon Gate. Yes. So we are now really on the road to dead or alive. We have a couple weekends of shows left, but the title picture has been made. We have what appears to be will be the big highlighted undercard match coming out of this double header that they had in Kobe Sambo Hall. But the leading topic coming out of Kobe Sambo Hall is a new adventure game that our open the Dreamgate champion Shun Skywalker has put across us. Case, you maybe have heard of Dragon Quest, but it's time for SSW Quest as Madoka Kakuda has to run the gauntlet for, I guess, Shun's amusement. And we had the first batch of this, a three-on-one handicap match in Kobe. And coming off of that, this weekend and across Fukuoka, D-Courage explodes in a three-way match put on by Shun Skywalker where Dragon Daya, Yuki Yoshioka, and Madoka Kakuda must face off one on one on one case. This is a different Dreamgate build than what we're used to be seeing. Like I can't think the last time that there was a a trials and tribulations storyline to get a title shot when he's already has it. It, it reminds me a lot of what Dreamgate did nine years ago now with BB Hulk and his exit from Mad Blanky. And you know they did they did the handicap match where it was all of Matt Blanky versus BB Hulk and Hulk lost and then they ended up doing like a big unit tag where millennials and veterans and Monster Express came out they all joined forces with Hulk to take on Matt Blanky and then a few months later they did like a gauntlet style match where Doi ended up winning the Dreamgate Championship as an interim champion. And then they did Doi versus Hulk at Dangerous Gate that year. It's, it's a bit of a similar build, a little less convoluted with all the steps that are involved. But I really, really like it. You know, I, I didn't get into this too much last week because I was so focused on the quality of the match between Kakuta and Coach Minora at last week's Cork and Hall show. But that match happens. Kakuta s- secures the number one contendership. And then they go into uh, this post-match promo where Shun sets it up. Uh, like you said, you know, first a three-on-one challenge where it's Zebrats versus Kakuta, and it's specifically, you know, Shun and Kai and Hyo, the guys that have been around for a minute now, versus Kakuta. That headlined the second show in Kobe uh, over the weekend. And then this weekend in Fukuoka, like you said, Kakuta's going to wrestle his two D-Courage partners. This all feels very fresh. This all feels very hot. I really like what they're doing here. Yeah, and... 
the uh, handicap match was really fascinating for a match that was only it was listed at 14 minutes, but it felt like it was something that case one of my first notes I have for this match was I get why they're doing this, but this is feeling kind of slow. And then they said, oh, five minutes have elapsed, 10 minutes elapsed. It's like, oh, they're actually doing a whole lot in this 10 minutes. And I thought that especially the the, the closing stretch with uh, basically Kakuda out on his feet, eating uh, big boots, and then finally uh, going down to a moon to a moonsault knees that Hio takes. I thought that this was like such well done. Like in Dragon Gate, like you talked about the Hulk Dream Gate match. Like whenever they do, they do handicap matches, they don't really mess around with it. It, it. it goes within logic that there's no reason why Madoka Kakuda should beat three guys. So instead, he endures as long as he can. He almost lasts 15 minutes, and but he endures and he survives. And it's very clear that Shun Skywalker's plan is just to make Madoka Kakuda's life both a physical, emotional, and mental hell until uh, until Aichi on the fifth. And it, it's real interesting because we've seen a lot of these storylines play out across wrestling, especially in AEW over the last five years, but the since there's not really anything attached to it, what it does is it makes it a more interesting, I would say, build over these next few weeks from the usual, okay, D courage versus Z brats, like six man tags. Like we went through that earlier this year of Shun Skywalker versus Yoshioko. Why revisit it when you can do something new? I'm completely there with you. You know, I, I obviously wouldn't complain. I think those are the best two combinations of, of units in terms of chemistry in the current dragon system. And and so I wouldn't complain if we were just getting these banger main events that can excite me for a match more than anything, but you kind of hit on something there. That was going to be one of my points is this was not just an extended angle. I actually had to almost talk myself off the ledge of putting this in the notebook just because I was so astounded by the way that it was worked. You know, dragon gate is this zany promotion with, with all of these creative ideas and these unexpected outcomes but you're exactly right. When they do a handicap match, it is as old school as old school gets, and they get so much mileage out of this. And everything that happened here, Zebrats beats him down to start. Kakuta makes this incredible one-on-three comeback. And then in the end, the three-on-one advantage gets to him. He gets decimated by Zebrats. They pin him mercilessly in the middle of the ring. Just a brutal finish to this match. And by the end of it, I was thinking, wait a minute, does does Dragon Gate now have their equivalent of a Sami Zayn situation where I don't know about you, but I watch these shows and I think Madoka Kakuta is other than your legacy acts of Yamato and Eita and maybe Mochizuki Sr. He is far and away the most over guy on these shows. And Kobe was crying out for this man. By the time we hit the finish, this match was so effective that I went from last week saying Shun versus Kakuta is exactly the right match to do and Kakuta shouldn't win to after this show going, are we sure they're not missing something here? For as much as I love Shun Skywalker, do we just ride the wave of Kakuta into the summer? And and I wonder in this year without a spring King of Gate, how you're going to be setting up the summer without having the tournament to lead into Kobe world. So it's 
completely open how they're going to figure out the Dreamgate picture after this. But there, there is something just like very simple with going with a hot hand here. And it's something that you had a six-month Yuki Yoshioka reign after a six-month Kai run. At what point do you kind of go, we need to have a much shorter title run? And this isn't even really like a super short Dreamgate run when you look at history with Dragon Gate with the zero key defenses and those like that. But a question has to be asked, like, do you want to go into your biggest show of the year? Because there's probably not going to be, there might be a title match between Dead or Alive and Kobe World. Maybe not because it's such an early Kobe World this year. But you don't have the normal framework that you've been working with with for the last ten years at least with that with King of Gate going straight into that. So you're not restrained. So it, it, it's definitely like as we are whew, three weeks out, something that is coming into the picture more so than I thought, you know, last time we were talking. I'm glad you said that. You hit on something there that I think every Dragon Gate fan listening to needs to start to comprehend if if you're going to be invested this summer. The schedule and the beats that we've become accustomed to, you know, Dead or Alive in May, King of Gate after that, into Holding Pattern in June, maybe one more Dreamgate defense, Build Through July, or I'm sorry, Kobe World at the end of July. That is out the window this year. Like Mike said, King of Gate not scheduled for May this year. That is going to be, I think, the, the Rainbow Gate Tour, which is normally July. You go into June where you've got two Cork and Hall shows like they've been doing at the start of June. And then your Kobe World Show this year is July 2nd. And your July Cork and Hall Show is July 7th. So things are different this year. And I, and I think it's important as we project forward to understand that that roadmap is going to be different. The thing that you ask yourself if you want to make continue to make the Sami Zayn comparison is, okay, he's hot, but Kakuta's story is very clearly in the climb, I think, right now. I, I think this is a guy who needs to win the title and then lose the title. And what do you do there? Well, I would assume, and I don't want to make an ass out of you and me, but I would certainly assume that we'll be seeing the return of SB Kento on this show. If SB Kento doesn't return at Dead or Alive, I am going to turn into Walter Cronkite and Diane Sawyer and insert journalist here and get to the bottom of where he is because the the intel I have is that he is done in Mexico and I thought he was going to show up a few weeks ago in Nagoya at that uh, international conference center hall show. He did not. It sort of has to be dead or alive at this point, and I'm certainly not, you know, putting my flag in the ground, staking my claim to Kakuta versus SB Kento's your Kobe World main event. It could very easily be. SB Kento versus Shun Skywalker, they might not be involved at all, meaning SB Kento. I don't think we can ignore that possibility, though, given the scheduling roadmap that's ahead. Yeah, and as you're running down the schedule and you brought the two June Corkins, that's probably a Torimon reunion show as one of them. That's where uh, they had it last year with Mochizuki Jr. debuting. I've It, it, it seems kind of catered for them to do volume three on one of those shows it'd be so cool if they did like a two-night king of gate this year and they just did all the matches in, in Corkin. yeah that would be different i mean i guess you would probably do 16 guys 
and you do the first round of matches the first night and yeah. then the remaining seven night yeah. two that'd be really cool i would really i don't think that's gonna happen but that'd be really cool if they did that yeah that would be that'd be fascinating but it it is something that's so noticeable getting back to kakuda that he does seem to have picked up on the decourage mantle and run with it to an extent that i don't don't remember and of course this was before cheering crowds yoshioka like you would see all the the scarves you would see the signs you you would know that decourage were the most popular act there but there is such a difference now hearing the fans call for kakuda as they did during that three-on-one match well drangate has been really smart with yoshioka and the way they've handled him here you know it, the success between Dragon Daya and Yuki Yoshioka, as long as they're in D-Courage together, they are going to feel interlocked. And it's just the way the unit formed, the success they had at this time last year, that is a, a pair, whether they're standing side by side or they're in separate programs, it feels like those two are going to be attached to the hip. Kakuta is his own animal. And it's why Dragon Daya affecting, or I'm sorry, Dragon Daya challenging for the Brave Gate title doesn't really affect my standing of Madoka Kakuta. They've been so good with Yuki Yoshioka, though. He had his time in the sun. He is a made guy. He's a capital A, capital G. He is a guy. And yet he's taken pinfall after pinfall after pinfall this year. And it doesn't hurt him because he already has that established Dreamgate run very similar even elevated to some degree to the way that Gato has booked a Tetsuya Naito in the past, an Okada in the past, a, a Kenny Omega in the past. They get their first taste of the IWGP Heavyweight Championship, and then they're taken away from, and then they have to fight back. But that first run establishes them as a guy, and Yoshioka has that now. So now he's taking these pinfalls, which is twofold. One, ideally it elevates the guys that are beating him. And then two, it protects Kakuta from taking pinfalls when he doesn't have to. And to a lesser degree, protects Daya from taking pinfalls when he doesn't have to. The booking in this promotion this year, and I always highlight this with Mochizuki Jr. Look, I can't, well, you know what? I was going to say they don't have that red hot angle, but I don't think that's true. Skywalker versus Kakuta is that angle. And it was hot when they made the match between Kakuta and Minora. It was hot when Kakuta won, and it's even hotter coming out of this weekend. This has been an excellently booked promotion this year, top down. Touching on Yoshioka, uh, the other facet about that when you compare and contrast like the initial Okada and Naito title runs is like they had the belts for two months, got a couple defenses, looked credible, and that was it. Yoshioka was there was not a lot left for Yoshioka when we were eventually going to have to say like there were no more ghosts. He's going to find new challenges and just having him cycle down like this. And he's still like super featured. I mean, he is going to be in that special tag match at dead or alive with Naomichi Marafuji in it, but you're able to do, as you're saying, like it protects the rest of D courage. He's likely going to be the one I assume taking the fall in Fukuoka, even though you could probably now nah, you're not going to pen diet before his, his brave challenge or you shouldn't but it, it, it it's a convenience there because they did the work because he had such a transformative run that when they next time he's up and next time they're ready to hand back the ball to him they know that all right the pool has been refreshed we can do a whole lot of things here and during the meantime he's still a featured character in such a big role that he's just now able to 
slide into the 1B spot. I think Durangi and Rio Saito deserve a ton of credit as Natural Vibes continues to be this steady hand in the promotion, the heart and soul, they do their thing. Gold Class was rejuvenated by Ben K, and then they added a little bit of a sprinkle of BB Hulk earlier this year. They are in great shape. M3K, to me, continues to be a smashing success, and I always reference the continuous constant interesting things that mochizuki jr is doing he's been in the company 10 months now and he's always had something going on and now you have these levels to decourage this is a a promotion with depth to it this is a promotion of love handles right now you can grab on the booking of dragon gate and it is so interesting in all of the ways that this can play out and i, and I think you're right something i hadn't even thought about I think Kakuto's going to pin Yoshioka this weekend, and I think that's going to mean something. That They have set themselves up remarkably here for success in varying degrees. They can do a lot of different things right now and still succeed, which is why I want to ask you. If you're the Booker Man right now, you got the pencil behind your ear, May 5th coming up, two-part question. Do you think Kakuto will win, yes or no? And should Kakuto win, yes or no? Will Kakuta win? No, I don't think he will win. I think they're going to have the babyface win at Dead or, or at Kobe World and in the uh, psycho- the psychosis of Shun Skywalker. Should he win? I mean, you always know the argument about the, the hot hand, and we're almost halfway. We're, we're, we're rapidly approaching the half-year half year mark case, and Madoka Kakuta has to be almost by acclamation Dragon Gate's wrestler of the year. So why not go with the guy who's been your best performer that the crowd's responding to the most? So that is a no and then a yes. Do you think he will win? No. Do you think he should win? Yes. Correct. All right. I'm going to ask you this question again next week. Let's kind of keep track of this as we go towards that or live because my thoughts might change. I'm a no, no right now, but depending on how Fukuoka goes this weekend, I could very easily be talked into you know, in the same way that I snuffed out Yoshioka beating Shun, I'm sorry, Shun beating Yoshioka, I, I, we're in, I'm, I'm a drug-sniffing dog right now, and there's at least paraphernalia in the area of the Dreamgate scene. Kukuta might be winning a Dead or Alive. Will K sit down? Will K sit down? Has he got a smell? Has he got a smell? Uh, the, you see, the reference I was going to make was to the infamous New York Times needle. Right now, you are leaning no. Leaning no. All right. I, I think it's important for us to have that gradation here. Well, we talked about Dragon Daya a little bit ago when we were talking about decourage, but coming out of Kobe Sambo Hall, the big events on night one was this four way uh, number one contendership for the Brave Gate. This came as we got the weigh in case 79 and 9.9 kilograms. Junior makes it almost by 10 pounds. He is in the clear. Minorita tried to screw him over. However, it was uh, Dragon Daya winning the four-way match. The other person involved in it was JFK to become the number one contender to the Open the Brave Gate title. He will go back to the building he lost this belt in and try to beat Jason Lee for the Brave Gate on, on May 5th. Yeah, real quick, do you have the first Kobe Sambo Hall show? Do you have that card pulled up? Do you want to go down the results real quick? Yes, uh, let me go through that. So this was on April 8th. We have confirmation now 
Dragon Gate Network is up for two weeks. So this show will be up until the 22nd. In case running down the show, we opened up, of course, with that weigh-in. But then we had a six-man tag. It was Natural Vibes, KZ, Big Boss Shimizu, Strong Machine J versus the unaffiliated team, Don Fuji, Kaito Nagano, Konomao Ichikawa, Konomao Ichikawa. We, we did it in an immediate fall when uh, uh, Shimizu blocked a body slam to start this off to, as the finish. The second match, the first one was Ichikawa immediately submitted to a wrist lock. We got the restart. Shimizu once with a body slam. From there, we got Kung Fu Masters, Jason Lee and Ho Ho Loon versus Zebratio and Diamante. So good to see Diamante back. I know he was back in Corican, but just glad to see him. And it was Diamante winning with a jumping Murete on Ho Ho Loon, the Tombstone Piledriver. Then we had an eight-man tag. This would be what we would consider sometimes as a touch football match. It was Ultimo Dragon, Yamato, Takashi Yoshida, and Puncho Managa versus Dragon Kid, Giki Horiguchi, Kusachi Oko Boy, and Kakatora. Yamato over Kakatora with the Galleria. The next was M3K versus Gold Class. This was, in a way, a, a challenger match. However, we got the classic M2K double countout committee in the after. In the aftermath, M2K argued that since double countouts are M2, M2 and M3K's thing, they should be number one contenders. Everyone else called bullshit on that. They set up a match with Natural Vibes the next night to set up the challengers for a gold class in Aichi. Then we had the Open the Brave Gate number one contendership match. That was Daya, Kamei, Minorita, and Mochizuki Jr. The final fall was Dragon Daya converting a Jackie knife on Kamei. And then the main event of night one was D-Courage plus uh, Shuji Kondo's Yuki Yoshioka, Madoka Kakuta, and Shuji Kondo versus Z-Brat, Shun Skywalker, Kai, and Ishin. And Kai spiked Yuki Yoshioka of a medio impact to get the win there. To my point previously, another Yoshioka fall. So yeah, so that, that's what happened on night one. Let's talk about uh, what you were getting into there. Sorry to make you go back to make you go forward again, but this Brave Gate scene with Dragon Dias securing the number one contendership uh, for his uh, uh, upcoming match against Jason Lee. Yeah, uh, I thought it was very much the Dragon Gate style that, that the match was built up around Mochizuki Jr. making weight, him saying, all right, I'm tired of this arguing. I'm going to do my thing. Y'all go for the Triangle Gate. First guy eliminated because Minorita punched his hands on the rope. Love that. Classic Dragon Gate. Yeah, this is one of those matches that I just adore because I think the way it's put together is so smart. Like you said, Junior is the one that really fights for this, and yet he's the first one gone after missing a big boot as you know he goes over the top rope, and then Minorita sort of Donkey Kongs uh, his hands on Minorita's or on uh, Junior's hands, and he falls from the top rope and hits the floor because over the top elimination over the top rope eliminations were in play there, and then you just have this tremendous battle between Daya and Kamei and Minorita, you end up with Diane Kamei, who went after it uh, in Cork and Hall just a few days prior, and Dragon Daya gets the win here. And I don't know if you noticed this, but what stood out to me here, Dragon Daya got the win, and Dragon Daya turned it up to 11. This man was fired up after this victory. Yeah, and the crowd, again, decourage. Daya was by far the most over out of the, the four guys there. Junior got cheers and there was a deflation when junior was eliminated but this kind of was a reminding the hometown fans 
Dragon Dia is someone special because this was a Dragon Dia show, and it's it's something that him and Jason that's such a good and strong and a little safe matchup for Dead or Alive. There's no reason to like burn a first time challenger, but it's also you have now this thing of all right, Dia walked into this building as double champions, and he lost he lost his belts. What where do you go from from here for him? Yeah, I think all of this is outstanding, and this is really, I, I am so jacked up for this Jason Lee Dragon Dia match for the real reason of, and I, and I put this a little bit in my Cork and Hall review, which was delayed, but it is now up at VoicesOfWrestling.com for those that have not read it. Maybe you didn't listen to the solo audio last week. You can still get my written thoughts on last week's Cork and Hall show. I, I talked about how, you know, you and I get Dragon Dia. We see what's so special about him. I called him, last year on this podcast, I called him a perfect wrestler. And I really believe that. I, I think it's a baby face. He is a perfect wrestler. But he's kind of like the Pixies. He's a band that not everybody understands. He needs that mainstream hit. He needs that radio single. And I am of the belief, and this, this is purely pontificating, this might be a vapid point at the end of the day, but I, I think it's worth saying Dragon Dia versus Jason Lee has the potential to be the match that breaks these guys out on a global scale. This could be this generation's Flamita versus Susumu, that quick 10-minute Brave Gate match in front of a Hataichi crowd that by the end of it, the wrestling world, for as, as screwed up as it is in terms of content distribution, who cares about what and what matters, the right gifts get passed around if it's the right match. And all of a sudden, Dragon Dia and Jason Lee are two guys that matter on a global scale. And I think this match has that level of potential from the raw foundation that these guys bring to the table, plus the interactions that I saw the next night opening up Kobe Sambo Hall Night 2. Yeah, and it, it, this really clearly should be the YouTube match. Like, it's a That's no-brainer. A good point. That's a good point, yeah. It's a no-brainer. And just as a point of clarification, just so no ads on Twitter and the Discord, it was the twin gate that was lost last year. It was Decourage lost against Shun Monte, and then Daya retained the Brave Gate against SB Kento. Oh, I'm angry. Two on six is going to come for you, Mike. Look, I, I, I've had, I have a lot of things on my plates. I'm finally not sick for the first time in three weeks. I, 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 I at least went and got the correction within two minutes. And much appreciated. So. Like I said, Dia wins this match here, and I don't know where you were on this. You know, we really haven't talked about match quality outside of the main event of night two, which I, you know, I, I said I was extraordinarily high on. I understand if maybe not everybody was there, but I, I talked myself out of going notebook on the four nine main event. That did not stop me, however, from going notebook on the opening match of four nine Kobe Sambo Hall, Dragon Dia. Minorita and Mochizuki Jr. versus the Kung Fu Warriors, Jason Lee, Jackie Funky Kamei, and Ho Ho Loon. Four stars put it in the fucking book, Mike Spears. So I had a different notebook match on that show. I wow. had this. Okay. I had this in my main as a as a notebook match. Wouldn't argue that. We'll, we'll get to that in a second because I was kind of mesmerized by the final sixty seconds of that bout. But yeah, uh, this opening match—it's on YouTube. I. I Look, it's one of those matches. I'll accept if I'm the high man on this. It's just the kind of wrestling that I love. It's as simple as that. It was a six-man tag with a bunch of guys who made zero mistakes. They did flawless moves. They did a million things. And they all did them perfectly. And I was so wowed, in particular, 
by the Jason Lee and Dragon Diet chemistry. And, and we really, you know, they've never had a singles match. We saw them a little bit in Masquerade, but this is very much uncharted territory here. And my expectations, you know, for as high as they are for Shun versus Kakuta and as high as they are for the Twin Gate match, which I, I have a lot of stock in. I'm very curious to see what happens there. We'll get to that in a minute as well. The Brave Game match is the one to me that I've got to circle, put a gold star next to, highlight it, underline it, italicize it. That is the match that I will probably come in with unfair expectations of. But it seems like, and this is a separate point here, but I'll, I'll, I'll well, let me, let me pause. Do you have any other thoughts on the Brave Gate match? Or can I make a, a big picture thought here? Go right ahead. Doug. Don't break your streak here. Come on. You know, watching Yoshioka, I'm sorry, not Yoshioka. I keep on doing that. Watching Kakuta versus Minora. Corkin was interesting because the tone of this podcast, and I think the tone of Drangate since 2020 has been, wow, these young guys are overachieving. You know, I think, and you think, and there are there are people that pay attention that have a clue that think that the current Drangate roster is full of world-class wrestlers, but the general perception, I, I think by the outskirts of wrestling media that will parachute in and then parachute away, is it's young guys that that are, are they're not Shima, they're not Shingo, they're not Tozawa. They're young guys. I don't fully have investment in them. Why should I care about them? That that is a a long standing issue with you know SP Kento onwards and this generation of Dragon Gate Wrestling that again has held up at the box office through shaky times and COVID. And I think they're all world class wrestlers. Kakuta versus Minora was a mature match. That was not young guys overachieving. That was guys grabbing the bull by the horn. Those were guys in the prime of their careers going, this is our time, this is our moment. And I think this year, if everything goes well, if we don't have those cursed shows like we did in 2020 and 2021 where guys got hurt, matches got weird, things fell apart, I think we're ready to see that next step where overachievers set the standard and they set the standard in a really high bar and dragon die is in that position and, and yuki yoshioka is in that position and madoka kakuta is in that position and coach Minoru is in that position and if sb kento comes back he's in that position we all have these guys that we know are good we know are great but the world doesn't and i think this is the time that they take that evolution i think the roster has now matured enough to where on a global level we could see a, another impact come this year, if all that makes sense. Do you follow what I'm saying? Yeah, it, it, it's something that I do, and this is probably a uh, one of those big topics that we could say for two radio segments on a down week about what requires that. I know that when we talked with Jay last year, the conversation was like, oh, you have GCW mania. I wonder how much with how not oversaturated, I want to say, but how diversified the wrestling ecosystem is now that there isn't necessarily the place for tastemakers that would go and get the ROH six man tag from ring of honor at a time where ring of honor was just doing DVD sales. And it, it 20 years later becomes this just formative match you know, that basically spurs like the, the next generation of wrestling. I just don't know if that's possible. If that makes sense oh, nowadays. Uh, look, the way that we consume wrestling is broken. And that's not, that's not a complaint on gifts and gif accounts. 
it is actually much more of a, a, a complaint towards other than voices of wrestling.com and the weirdos. And I say that with love, but the weirdos at Segunda Keda, who does written match reviews anymore? You know, it, it, it's the, the information ecosystem is broken. And part of that, and this is a good problem to have, is that the working standard on Dynamite is so high that people that are, are looking for good wrestling have it. They have it on national TV every week. But the point that I made in the Voices of Wrestling Discord, if you want to talk about Daya, Minorita, and Mochizuki Jr. versus the Kung Fu guys here, was that's the type of match that they try to do in ROH and they do an AEW, and maybe NXT Wump there it is, gives it a shot as well. But even with the high working standard that exists in all of wrestling right now, I think if you put that six-man tag in any other promotion, it would blow people's minds what they did. But it's Dragon Gate, and so it's just another six-man tag. It's just another very good wrestling match in a promotion where the working standard is very good. And you have the fact that if we really wanted to distill it and be really pessimistic, what you see on national TVs are done by people who don't understand that style that they're trying to emulate. They either don't understand it or they've done it, you know, and I don't want to say it's a watered down version at that point, but they, right. there's there's a reason they're doing that. It's because they learned it from the Dragon Gate guys, and, and you're right. You know, most of the people that are, are here now, whether they know they're they're aping this style or not, they still are at the end of the day, and they're, they're doing a worse version of it. I think that is as big of an issue with, you know, Dragon Gate continuing to expand westward as anything is – American wrestling largely exists right now with people doing a worse Dragon Gate style than Dragon Gate itself. Yeah, and it's not necessarily like people who are taught by Dragon Gate. It's just the way that wrestling has permeated over the last 15, 16 years since 2006, right? Because Shima, Shima influenced 15 guys, and some of those guys took over the wrestling world, and so the next generation wanted to be like those guys. You know, exactly, it, yeah. It, the, the delineation is clear here. Right. So it, it, it it's something that I think that I don't know what the the new next thing is that kind of catches the wrestling world aflame, but I don't know at this point just dragging and dropping is going to do that because of because as we're saying that everyone kind of works a similar style in that regard, even though the Dragon Gate version would be the actual I'm trying to think what what, what the what they say what the Coke slogan was. I'm blanking on it right now. That this was the the real thing, basically. You know, except no imitations is the real thing. I don't know if necessarily you, you you drag and drop that happens, but it is something that you're seeing the original and not just the version that has. Uh, as I'm watching Cesar Bononi versus Evil Uno right now, talking about how we consume pro wrestling. Ugh, Cesar Bononi. That's a guy who, uh, and, and enjoying those dark paydays. I I have my eyes as a wrestling fan fixated on West Coast Pro and the now public influence that Chris Hero has on that promotion because if you think about where things have gone, we went from Grapple Fuck, which you know we haven't talked in a few weeks. We really haven't talked much in the last few weeks, but you know I watched that Bloodsport show and I watched Thatcher versus Josh Barnett, and I, I guess some people really loved that match, but it was just another. It was another show that I sat through and I went, God damn it, Timothy Thatcher's in the main event again. This guy fucking sucks. He's awful. 
and it was another bad Timothy Thatcher match, and it reminded me how outdated his style of wrestling is. So you go from grapple fuck, and then deathmatch had its had its time where GCW was a deathmatch promotion. Now they they are, but they're not, and. I don't think anything has filled that void yet. And I'm very, very curious to see what comes along and what tastemakers uh, have influenced. You know, you can make an argument that it's it's just Americanized Lucha Libre. But what is what is the guy that is trying to get into an AAW or an AIW or a Prestige or a Defy or a West Coast Pro what is that guy doing right now? Because that is going to be the style that takes over. And I don't know the answer to that. I don't know if anybody knows the answer to that, but I'm really curious to see what it is. Yeah. Wow. Uh, I'm, I'm trying to think uh, because there's a lot, I have a lot of different thoughts about this. Uh, I, I, I wonder if, and this is my more ponderous thought. Uh, there was a book by a very bad political scientist called the end of history. I wonder if we have now reached a point where, yes, wrestling evolves. It is a, it is a living media, but we've reached a point of globalization and saturation and access, for lack of better words, that it's not as if – I know those French catch videos appear sometimes whenever someone like preserves them, but – I wonder if with the with all this found wrestling, if we've now kind of seen the melange that wrestling is or its final state. I wonder if there's some of that. And at the same time, thinking about the indies, I don't know if there's really. I, I'm becoming of the belief that the era of the work rate indie is over. Like the well, idea 100%, of pacemaking, one hundred percent. But. And, there has to be a new idea, and and the young people are going to be the ones that have the new ideas. Yeah, and it, it, it's something that I not to go totally trad, but I wonder if because you like you look at the indie shows that actually do super draw, and these are the ones that aren't necessarily or GCWs. These are the ones that are deep in the observer and torch reports where it's like, oh, Bobby Fulton put on a show in Chill Coffee, <laughs> Ohio, and it did two two thousand people. Uh, northeast wrestling big time wrestling like those are the things that consistently have drawn it's just maybe it is our bubble that is just that does not appeal to the to our bubble even though reality dictates that those promotions are much bigger than even like peak gay bring of honor just from attendance reasons i think that i think that's an interesting point let me ask you did you see i will phrase it as this did you see the Jesse Collins tweet from yesterday? Buddy, I have been basically off social media for two weeks. Okay. What, is the, what is the tweet? Spell okay. it out for me. So Jesse now is, is I think, full-time at voiceofwrestling.com, which is great. I think Jesse is as interesting of a mind in wrestling media as there is. You know, there's there's a few people in the bubble that I really value and respect their opinions when it comes Thank to you, all Case. things. Thank you. You're on the list. There's, there's, there's a Thank few you. people on the list. You are one of them. I like, I value your opinion on everything, life included. Jesse is my favorite new guy in media. Cause he says shit all the time. Sometimes it's from a historical perspective and I just learn. And sometimes he says stuff like this and I'm so jealous that I did not have this tweet. If I could steal a take, one take in the world, it would be this one. And he said this yesterday. He said, and I quote, hot take, limb work 
is an unnecessary part of wrestling and focusing intensely on selling it or getting mad at wrestlers who don't sell it well enough is a strange way to consume this hobby, end quote. I that, love it. That, I love it. I don't, the, that rules. I, I, That's I don't the best. Know if, <laughs> I don't know if I agree with that, but that is the level of thinking that I want from the next generation of pro wrestler. That is a fucking awesome take. I, you know what? I fully co-sign that, and, and I'll build on that because that, that he's absolutely right. Because what wrestling is about, it's about getting reaction. And if the limb work, as we've seen in, in a lot of places, does not get a reaction and the crowd's reacting to certain things, you do the things that the crowd reacts to. Maybe dial back on doing Roman knuckle locks, you know? I remember Brian Alvarez was reviewing a Drangit USA show once. And he meant this as a slight, but he, he kind of had this epiphany on the air with Vinny. And he was like, you know, I think I figured Dragon Gate out. They don't sell any body part. Every move, it's like they have like Street Fighter health meters on the screen. And every move just decreases the health meter a little bit. And he meant that as an insult. And I was like, yes, it, exactly. That's exactly what I like about this promotion. And I think... In a roundabout way, Jesse was saying the same thing, and I, I kind of think he's onto something. I think that's a great fucking point. Yeah, because like at the end of the day, you win or lose, and it's how you get to the win or loss. And if it's yeah. the health bar, or if it's you're playing a, a wrestling game and you make a head bright red on the indicator, one way or another, you're winning the match. However, I know with the health bar that people are going to be freaking out at the moves versus if you're working someone's wrist until it's bright red on the indicator, that could bore people to shit. Like, literally bore them into pooping. Well, <laughs> was this a progress show? Uh, uh, New York City? <laughs> um, that, that, that was a verbal slip-up that I tried to make work for me. You know, if you want to work like Samoa Joe versus Kurt Angle, that lockdown match, that faux MMA, great, do that. But I, I, I do think if you're going to do meaningless limb work, as critics, we shouldn't say, well, he touched the leg five minutes in. That has to pay off later on in the match. That's a dumb way of looking at it. I've, ne I've never agreed with that take, but I, I think it's – I think so many people are uninteresting and – or maybe not uh, – not qualified is not the right word, but they just – they don't have anything to say when they analyze wrestling. And so they they go to the thing that they've been told since their very first shoot interview, you know, work in a body part, work in the old school way, call to the ring, whatever, and – I am I am starting to think in the way that Jesse's thinking here, right? Maybe that's just broken brain logic, and maybe we have to really, if we're going to see something new in wrestling, we just have to shake that foundation. I think that's a really, really interesting point. Again, if you're not following Jesse on Twitter, at Jesse Collings, really great mind in wrestling. When there's so much bad discourse, so many people focusing on stuff that doesn't matter, Jesse continues to bring stuff like this to the table. Yeah, I, I, I'm fixating on the health bar right now. And the more it's just like, oh, maybe one move does takes off more of the health bar. But at the end of the day, you're getting to a point where you're trying to get to a set end result. Yeah, I think he was reviewing. It might have been the Shingo Shima match from Dragon Gate USA. It, it was a big singles match. And again, he said that as, you know, you know, Brian Alvarez, you know, ah, yeah. I, I figured it out. And I was like, no, Brian, I think you're right. I think that's a great point, actually. <laughs> don't you hate it when the dumbest person makes the best point well the story of brian alvarez all right where are we at here let's talk about the triangle gate scene yeah as i was saying about night one with the m3k versus a gold class match going to a double count out that 
made M3K believe that they should be number one contenders. Natural Vibes and Gold Class had a lot to say about that. So on night two, we had the original M3K and M2K pairing of Masaki Mochizuki, Susumu Mochizuki, and Zushi Kanda versus the Natural Vibes team. KZ, Shimizu, Strong Machine J, real strong hitters there. And it was Natural Vibes winning and becoming number one contenders to the Open the Triangle Gate titles when Big Boss Shimizu did a shot putt slam to Mochi after Mochi hopped up on the top rope to avoid a double countout because there was already Shimizu in the ring. And he jumped right into the shot putt slam for the win. This was my favorite match of the week in case. I want four stars on it. I, I, I thought that this was so smartly done. The last minute of this match was a car crash in the best way possible. There was just so much stuff happening from really, you know, they they go into this finish where Casey absolutely trucks Yasushi Kanda, who was coming at him with a blue box attack. And then all of a sudden, Mochizuki Jr. or Mochizuki Sr. rather is on the top rope and he gets caught in a shot put slam and there's the finish. And it's just, it's madness to the highest degree. I went three and three quarters on this. Cannot begrudge uh, your, your rating there at all. And we now end up with vibes and, and a strong vibes teams at that versus gold class at dead or alive. That is a really strong, uh, strong match there. Yeah, and you have the big boys of Natural Vibes in this one. And I think that's really interesting with this gold class team. Uh, I, I know that Benkei, obviously, one of the biggest guys on the roster, but you have two sneaky big guys in Hulk and Minora. This is something, with the exception of KZ, you have, three, you have five people in this match you could argue are legit heavyweights. And it, it's something with gold class that really, with everything that's happened with Minora, and how they're able to refocus back him back towards the the triangle gate. It's going to be interesting to play off with him at, with this group and as triangle gate champion still. I think this is the the perfect time for Gold Class to lose these belts. The babyface right. turn for BB Hulk has been incredibly successful. They've kept Coach Minora relevant, but out of the main spotlight. Ben K continues to do his thing. And it's been over a year since Natural Vibes have held the Triangle Gate belts. The last time they did, it was Kamei, KZ, and UT. And it was for 13 days last February. So we've had a long enough break here where I think it's time that this Vibes team hits the ground running these big boys in Vibes and they, they get the gold around their waist. Yeah, and really, Gold Class is such a fascinating unit with how they are the four-man trio, but at the same time, you have... Benke, who is still one of the most charismatic people on the roster with Chicky Chicky. You have Hulk, who's going to always have a level of cachet, especially with older fans for how he was 20 years ago. And then you have Minora, where Minora is the most tweener who, have, who has ever tweenered in Dragon Gate for a long period of time with like these two very strong babyface characters. And that does not equal always a very long trial gate run. This one does did have some legs on it but you look at natural vibes you laid out how it's actually been a while since they've held these belts and given how strong machine j has been this year you, you you're coming off the big time twin gate loss makes perfect sense just to onboard them with new set titles and just pick up where they were yeah the, the last two vibes triangle gate teams like i said it was last february for 13 days it was Kamei, KZ, and UT. And then before that, you have to go back to the beginning of 2021. And that was 
not Natural Vibes 1.0, but that was the team of Natural Vibes 1.0. That was Genki, Casey, and Susumu. So although I think, you know, my instinct was to say, oh, Natural Vibes, Triangle Gate, is that really fresh? Well, no, it is, and especially this combination of guys with Strong Machine J and with Shimizu and with KZ, that's a fresh team. They've never held the belts before. I would be very into that. Yeah, and it is something that we will see at Dead or Alive. The, the last title program really became solidified. It kind of already started last week as we have now finalized for Dead or Alive. It is the champion team Congo, Kano, and Shuchi Kondo versus Zebrats, Kai, and Ishan. Ishan's return last week after taking the last month off and he's straight into a twin gate feud. Where are you at with Ishan? I get the feeling you're a little bit higher on him than I am right now. I've always been higher on Ishan than you. That's true. That's true. Uh, it, it is something that the heel proximity kind of got to me during Raid de Parejas. So him now being out of that has helped, but it's, it, it, it's something where he had his triangle gate run and it worked really well in terms of his heel turn and him getting out of the rookie phase. I just don't know if this is really the next step, L like being the obvious fall guy in this match, because I don't, I, there's no reason at least for me to believe that, uh, that we, that Congo is going to lose the belts in Aichi. Do you believe that at all? <sighs> As of right now, I would say Zebrats are winning. I just, I, I guess maybe you have Kondo and Kano hold the belts through Kobe World, but I, I get the impression they're doing this match to say, okay, Mochizuki Jr.'s here. You're probably going to have SP Kento and Fujiwara coming back. They're going to be elevated immediately. Minorita's an established guy. Ishin, through no fault of his own outside of Fuda, has fallen to the bottom of the pack. This could be a way to jetpack him back up the card. But... I am not sold on this new Ishan character at all. This this doesn't feel like a finished product by any means. This feels like something that belongs on house shows right now and not in front of any sort of TV camera. Yeah, the it, it's something where he really felt like he had something with Mask Z. You know, like the dead behind the eyes, rebel without a cause, and then something around Ray de Perejas. And he's also noticeably adding bulk. I don't know that if he's going to... Uh, uh, like then cut and just be massively jacked, but he's looking a little like that. It, it he's in a weird position. Like it definitely, definitely did not come off like super confident in Ishan on these two sets of shows. I guess I just don't know what it's supposed to be. It comes a, across a little bit like Diet John Moxley, and it's lacking the charisma to to make that work. I I don't know what it is. I in terms of I don't know what the character is. I just know that. There have been times where I've really, really liked what he's doing. I really liked the initial Zebrats turn, and I don't know what this next step is, but I know I'm not into it right now. And it's something that you have him with Kai, and it, it, he is someone that Kai is of a certain station that you look at this and it's like, is this really a move up for him, being the fall guy in a Twin Gate challenge? Yes, he. this is a Twin Gate challenge for him after having a very mediocre rated Parejas, but is it really that step? I don't know if it is. No, I, I don't know either. Look, I would like to see Congo retain just because I like that team so much, but I don't I don't get the impression that they're going to. And, and all it takes for me, by the way, with Ishan, it just takes one one great match where he feels like a finished product. And if he can right. have that, then all right, I'm, I'm back on board. But 
he has not felt like a finished product since returning after being absent in the month of March. No, no, it's, it, it's, it's something that makes it, it makes his departure or his disappearance now have more questions than answers. Like if it was a nagging injury, sure. But just like the drastic change of it, like I just keep on going back to when he was revealed as Maxi and how cool it all felt. And it was like, oh yeah, no wonder he's dead behind the eyes. He hates all these people. <laughs> Very much so. <laughs> it, it made perfect sense. It was perfect. It was perfect. I, I like the idea of him and Kai together. I hope that works out. I think that I think the Twin Gate match at Dead or Alive will be great. But I also, you know, we'll, we'll run down the Dead or Alive card as it stands right now. This is a great looking show. Yep, and that actually is a good way for us to talk about the last match that was added to Dead or Alive. So, of course, the main event, as we know right now, is for the Open the Dream Gate, Shun Skywalker defending against Madoka Kakuda, Open the Twin Gate Championship, Congo versus Zebrats, Open the Triangle Gate Championship, uh, Gold Class versus uh, Natural Vibes, Jason Lee versus Dragon Daya for the Open the Brave Gate Championship, and then made on a curious Royal Sambo uh, on the second night there where GM Rio Saito, as they came up, as the lights came up before entering the match, mentioned that the match would end with the final three people being winners. And those final three people ended up being Yamato, Dragon Kid, and Yuki Yoshioka. And they announced that those three people would be in a special tag match at Dead or Alive with Naomichi Marafuji of Pro Wrestling Noah. And it has been, been announced since then that the teams are set is the former high-end team Dragon Kid and Yamato versus Yuki Yoshioka and Naomichi Marafuji. So yeah, add that into the UT return match, and you have six matches on the card, and all of them should be great. Uh, we we are in uh, possibly rarefied air in terms of shows on paper with Dead or Alive so far, and that's without an M3K match. And a cage match. I, I don't see how you get a cage match here now. No, I really... I talked about this last week, the way they were setting up the brave gate contenders. I thought for a second that they were going to do a brave gate cage match this year, which probably would have kicked off the show. And I would have been so, so into it. And they didn't do that. And and once they pivoted from that, I realized, okay, no shot. They're not doing a cage match this year, which is fine because you don't need it when the card is this good. Yeah, and an absence makes the heart grow fonder, Case. Yeah, absolutely. IG is going to be just molten when they finally get their cage back. <laughs> that was still <laughs> that was my favorite. That was one of my favorite days of following Japanese accounts on Twitter where Dangerous Gate 2020, Tokyo gets the cage match, and I follow these people that that are that go to Dead or Alive and they're all like what the hell that's ours why, why are they getting that what the hell that's our cage match and uh, you know <laughs> they they got one in 2021 and not not one last year because it was kai versus sumo only only one I'm, I'm surprised they did not return to the cage match this year i hope it comes back next year yeah yeah maybe then they will get one and, and even the cage match they got that wasn't like a full-fledged one that was a parade house and caribe one yes very well very, you're right yeah yeah so it wasn't a traditional one so None of that. I really like this card. And and now it's fascinating. You brought up now what do you do with M3K. You also have the fact Minorita doesn't have anything to do. You have the kids. Don Fuji is going to be up to something. Case, Don Fuji might be having the best year of his career right now. I, it's th- That's not to be clear for anybody that's maybe not totally in the weeds with the Dragon Gate. 
that's not an outlandish take. This no. might be the best year of his career. He has been capital A awesome on just about every show he's appeared on. And the work he's doing with these young guys, it's yes, it's, it's you know, veteran beats up the rookies, how fun. But there's a layer of depth there that sometimes those matches don't have. You, you haven't watched the Corkin show yet. Get ready. That, that Corkin show and the stuff that Don Fuji does in that six man, phenomenal. Yeah, Case, I was just saying that off of the three and a quarter star opener he had on night one. <laughs> I was like, damn, he might be having the best year of his his career right now, teaming with Kaito Nagano and Konamawa Chikawa. Very much so. Yeah, now th- th- this is going to be a year, you know, I-, I look ahead already to SFM 50, and I think about the first quarter of the year and, and who I enjoyed in wrestling, and as always, AEW is going to have a lot of guys. I think there's been some really high-end stuff in New Japan this year guys in all Japan that have impressed me and uh, some Lucha guys that I'm really into. And then it, it's the Dragon Gate roster. It, it is what they continue to do year after year. Sometimes the name, names change. Sometimes they stay the same. It's just this consistent cycle of greatness. It's really impressive. Yeah. And it's something that he's not reinventing the wheel this year. Like this is something case that we've seen basically since Dragon Gate turned into Dragon Gate from him. But I don't know what it is this year. It, maybe it's the group of guys that he's working with, but I... Well, we're getting and, more of it because there's just more young guys for him to throw around. True. You know, maybe in a prior generation, he just has a Nagano or he just has a Yanagiuchi or he just has a junior, but now he has a plethora of, of rookies that he can, uh, you know, for lack of a better term, abuse. <laughs> did, did you catch on what Yanagiuchi's injury was? No, I did not. Yeah, because I saw the J tweet before I watched this show that he got pulled. So I was wondering if something was announced or not. Uh, looking at the rest of this, like we, it, it's interesting how this the rest of this month's go going to go and how things are going to lead up to Dead or Alive because you have this weekend coming up in Fukuoka, and then they're doing their traditional night or two right before in KBS Hall. So they still have four shows left and. That means we're probably going to have SS Quest 3 happening in Kyoto. It's just, it's a very interesting year, and it's going to get even more peculiar in its way without without this immediately going into opening night of King of Gate on Golden Week. Those Kyoto shows are famously the most inconvenient Dragon Gate shows of the year. Oh, gosh. And this year, it's a little bit better. Last year, the week of Dead or Alive was the busiest week of my life, and those two Kyoto shows were the only network shows I did not watch every second of. I punted them completely. This year, I should have more time in my life, but still, ugh, just what a what a headache. The two days, uh, double header, the, the two days before Dead or Alive, that sucks. Yep, not a huge fan of that. Uh, Case, anything else you wanted to touch on KBS before, or on, sorry, not KBS, on Sambo Hall before we look ahead at our day-night doubleheader and cross Fukuoka? No, I really want to talk about these Fukuoka cards before we go, so let's do it. All right, so this is the afternoon show. Both of those are on the 16th. They're on the network. It is a midnight start for the East Coast. Case, I'm now back in Central Time. I miss this so much. It's It's good stuff, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. I mean, primetime TV starting at seven. Baseball games now with pitch clock. Baseball game will get over by ten by nine thirty. Damn straight. It's fantastic. But let's look at this card here. We are opening with Natural Vibes versus M three K plus Ginky Horiguchi it is KZ Shimizu and Kamei versus Susumu Kanda and Ginky match two. 
uh, is the cross lovers tag team Yamato and Don Fuji versus the Mochizuki's Masaki and Junior. Match four is, I'm sorry, match three, special singles match, Shaw Machine J versus Kota Minora. Match four is the Dragon Daya and Dragon Kid Double Dragons versus Jason Lee and Kaito Nagano. A little bit of a Brave Gate preview. Then we have uh, Gold Class versus Zebrats, BB Hulk, Benkei, and Minorita versus Kai Diamante and Ishin. And then the main event, we have Yuki Yoshioka and Madoka Kakuda versus Shun Skywalker and Hio. It's kind of an awesome card, isn't it? Yeah, it. I that there's something to like about every single one of these, and even the opener. That is like exactly the kind of stuff you want to see opening up, like two shows in the same day. My, why not start with Geeky Horiguchi going to bring that rubber band halfway across the arena? Yeah, you could you could call that match. You kind of know what's going there. But Yamato and Fuji versus the Mochizukis, and then the Dragons versus Jason and Kaito Nagano. Uh, sign me up. Those are extremely my shit. And Minora versus SMJ is fascinating to do right now. So it's a weird match. Yeah, it, it's wacky. It's wacky, and I don't know how to necessarily take that. Looking at the evening show, this one is a 4 a.m. East start time, 1 a.m. on your West Coast. Uh, we start with uh, Gold Class versus Natural Vibes, Minora, Hulk, and Benke, the champion team versus... Big time and Jason Lee, interesting match to have there. Not really seeing falls to be dropped there. Minorita versus Hyo's match two. Yamato and Nagano versus Kai and Ishin. Poor Nagano in his hometown. He's going to get his ass kicked. Uh, then we have the entire M3K, Mochizuki, 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 and Kanda versus Don Fuji, Dragon K, Kinki Horiguchi, and Konamao Ichikawa. Strong Machine J and Jackie Funky Kame versus Shun Monte. And then the main event, we have the SS Quest second game. This is the three-way match. D Courage explodes. Madoka Kakuda versus Dragon Daya versus Yuki Yoshioka. We talked about at the beginning of the podcast. I'm super interested in that main event. Super interested to see how that plays out. And I also just, I have to alert people. You know, match number five, it's Shun Monte and Kame. And we know what happened the last time those guys were in the ring with one another. It was Kobe World. It was the match of the year. Uh, Strong Machine J, maybe not going to play the same role that Jason Lee played there, but do not sleep on that match. I, I am jacked for these Fukuoka shows, which is something I have not said since Akata Star Lane is close, I don't think. Yeah, Minorita versus Hio. Yeah, right? Well, Even, it, you, you know, I, I just disparage Ishin, but Yamato and Nagano versus Kai and Ishin. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of stuff to go there, and even your. That's not going to be a touch football match with M3K. No, that's good stuff. Yeah, not a lot of chaff here. The, the only time I could think of that I enjoyed across Fukuoka this much was the uh, Binkei King of Gate one. Yeah, you're right. That was 2019. That was good stuff. Yeah, that was good stuff. But that's going to be on the network this weekend. We'll be back next week to talk all about it. Case, anything else you wanted to touch on before we get out of here? Yeah, give me one minute of your time. Do you have the Voices of Wrestling Slack open? Yes, I do. Will you go to the U.S. Wrestling Channel real quick and watch the Soul Ruka Tiffany Stratton video that I embedded into that channel? All right. How long ago was this case? This is this this aired tonight. Suit Williams, friend of the show. I love Suit. Suit informed me that I need to check this out. People are comparing this clip to Ricochet versus Will Ospreay. It's forty-five seconds. 
I would like you to live react on the podcast to this. All right. I'm going to expand this to full picture mode so I can soak it all in. NXT bigger and better. I mean, allegedly. Oh, wow. Step over, very bad. Leapfrog almost under. Flip out of the arm drag. Leg sweep. Leg sweep, handspring. Bad boot to the gut. Case, this is really paint by numbers. It's, hor- it's you know, you know what we talked about earlier about how everyone is just doing a shitty version of Drangate? I present you exhibit A. Yeah, this is just Horrid. doing rolls. I, they're, just, look, they're just doing rolls, case. I'm Sol Ruka is a very attra- a very attractive young woman living in Florida. I'm sure she's doing quite well. It's not her fault, but I hate her. It's oh. she she's done nothing wrong, but I do not like her as a person because of the work that I have seen from her and the fact that people fall all over themselves to praise her. I hate her. Okay, when they ended that face off with both of them doing aerials, fuck off. I it, it is it is so bad. And I know I'm going to see some Denise Salcedo tweet that is just going to ruin my night as soon as we log off here. Yeah, it's just, man, I, I get it. Like, like those are incredible uh, feats of acrobatics. And I do thoroughly enjoy a style of pro wrestling that does have an emphasis on acrobatics and has an emphasis on body control. But that's not made for prime time no. at all. That, that, that sucked, and that is all I have to say this week, Mike. All right, and on that note, that's going to do it here for us on Open the Voice Gate. Thanks, for everyone, for uh, bearing with me over the last few weeks. Case's solo episode was excellent if you have not gone back. Like, I have a list of stuff that I need to get to. Case, I did not watch any of WrestleMania week. Any. Uh, I would watch... I, I, I would watch the ROH show. I thought that was very right. good. And I would watch... Ibushi versus Speedball from Bloodsport, mm-hmm. and maybe some of the WrestleCon stuff, which I thought was very good but not great. And then I think you're good. Yeah, my brother was at the WrestleCon show, and he reported not only did Ultimo take it out a second, he was he seemed to be pretty nice at merch. I would have liked to have been at that show. I think in the building, I would have enjoyed that way more. I, I believe it. I believe it. Uh, it, it. It's interesting. Like I was so sick and then I was like WrestleMania weekend. I was packing up my house and it just was something that's like, I just did not get to that. But that, but thanks again for everyone for bearing with us with that. We'll be back next week talking about these two shows and Fukuoka. You can follow the, the, the uh, podcast account on Twitter at open voice gate cases at underscore in your case. I'm at Fujiheya. If you have a second, Go to Apple Podcasts, go to Google Podcasts, go to Spotify, rate us five stars, lay down a review. I don't understand why, but that is the best way to discover your local Dragon Gate podcast. We'll be back for you next week. Take care, everyone. Bye. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.
Do you like wrestling trivia? Then check out the five-star match game, the Pro Wrestling Quiz Show. I'm Joe Gagne, and every episode, I grill three contestants with five rounds of power-packed wrestling trivia. We have over 30 evergreen episodes in the archives covering WWE, AEW, Japan, Mexico, and much, 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 much more. Play along at home and check it out today.